Welcome to another episode of The Fix. I'm your host, Bill Cool, a.k.a. Ricky, with my co-host. Yeah, Diggy the DJ. What up? And for our guest today, we have none other than... I was going to say I was also named Bill Cool, uh, but that if that's if that's your... Your your territory. I'm gonna let you have it, Bill. Cool. Do we have to battle for it? Yeah, Bill. <laughs> there, just take it. I'm Sam Swell. No, I'm uh, DJ Shifty. Um, yeah. What's up? Thanks for having me. You got some AKAs or what? AKA Shiftopolis five thousand. AKA uh, Young Gaspacho. Um, <laughs> AKA your math teacher's favorite DJ. Sick. Um, and then and then I'm waiting for for more to be bestowed upon me. Were you always DJ Shifty? Was that like your first DJ name, or did you have some cheesy name when you first started? That was my first DJ name. Um, I, I pick. I mean, I picked it when I was 13 or 14, and I was considering the name DJ IQ, which I did not go with. Um, so, are, sh- you, are you an Onyx fan? Uh, I am an Onyx fan. It comes. The name comes separate from Onyx. Um, although, I mean, now I use that song in my sets a lot. It's yeah, like shifty, sure. lowdown, gritty, and grimy. Sick. Um, but it comes from uh, an Eminem lyric okay. uh, where he goes, I'm low down and I'm shifty. And I thought as a young 13-year-old, I, you know, I, I'm low down, I'm shifty. And then, uh, Sick. Did you have the acapella of that track? I did not. Um, yeah. It just sort. Of, it did. I didn't have the acapella of the track, but it. Uh, it you know, but it like uh, made my whole life what it is. Sick. <laughs> That's dope. So, yeah. Before we really jump into it, I have to warn you, Shifty, in the audience, that <clears throat> there's so much I want to cover today. We want to cover today. If we get through half of it, I'm a happy camper. So, yeah, let's get into it. Um, for those of you who don't know about Shifty, again, you're listening to the wrong podcast. Um, but yeah, two-time world DMC champion, producer, touring DJ, good dude. What else? Am I missing anything? Getting better at cooking eggs. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, my egg game is is improving. Get some over medium action going. Yeah. What's, your, what's your scrambled egg game like? I heard um, the true test of a chef is is their their scrambled egg game. It's getting better. Uh, my uh, girlfriend is a sort of chef. She runs a cooking school, so she taught me how to whisk the eggs with the bowl at an angle so you aerate them more, and now my scrambled egg game is much improved. Okay, and eggs room temperature? Whip, whip it real yeah, hard. I'm not, I'm, I haven't thought about the, the temperature. Um, I, I'm not at that level yet, and I'm still just working on the, it like, takes time. It the takes new time. angle. Yeah, I got to work on that for a few months before I expand to thinking about temperature. I normally just cook them and eat them. That's awesome. So, so where are you from originally? Uh, I'm from New York, uh, born in uh, New York City, and then grew up in the city, and then uh, Westchester, New York, which is uh, in uh, a little outside in a town called uh, Scarsdale. Okay, Westchester. Um, it's the real guys are from there, aren't they? Do you know them? The real guys? No. It's the real. They have a podcast, Jeff and Eric Rosenthal. Oh, they're in Westchester? They they were from Westchester oh, originally. Okay. They're always talking about it. We have some good... Um, Westchester, there are a lot of different towns. I'd say our most famous, most impressive Westchester person is DMX. DMX. Yeah, one of the towns is Yonkers, um, okay. and he's from Yonkers. Okay. Um, and, uh, are I, I'm, the locks, from, uh, some of the locks guys from Yonkers too? Maybe? Oh yeah, yeah, maybe yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Oh but yeah, I, maybe I think, putting, I think you're putting DMX. No, above. no. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, if you if you told me Barack Obama was from uh, like Westchester, I might still put like DMX as the number. <laughs> I mean, he might just be the top human. DMX, yeah, fair, I, yeah. Despite being like, you know, definitely not the top. Human. <laughs> <laughs> He's a top dog. Urgh. Yeah. So what was what was it like growing up there? What's the what's the scene? Small town. Like, what was the population? Um, it was. I mean, it's suburban. Uh, I would say like middle upper class in, in the town I grew up in like sort of like a more like fancy kind of town um I would say um but like Westchester itself is very diverse like the the larger county um uh where yeah like like all like Yon- Yonkers White Plains New Rochelle and, and that kind of stuff how, um, how far from uh, Manhattan would you be probably like 40 minutes by okay. train okay. yeah and so like growing up there and being a part of the like dj scene i would like every weekend i'd like take the train in uh to the city and go like practice with people sick yeah um so when did you move to the city and where where are you living in the city now are you in manhattan are you in brooklyn i'm in i'm in brooklyn i'm in i'm in a south slope is what i call it um so it's like i'm not in the cool part of brooklyn like if you know like i'm not in like the brooklyn of like uh the show girls or like you're not a full-on hipster i'm not i mean i am a hipster i would probably um somewhat (laughs) um but the part i'm in is more like low-key and like families and chill cool um and then I basically, yeah, like I, I moved back t- to New York after I went to college in, in Boston and then uh, and then, yeah, came came back to the to the city. And then I was in Manhattan and then moved moved to Brooklyn like uh, two years ago. Nice. Oh. And are, are you a basketball fan? Knicks? I'm Nets? a very big basketball fan. Definitely not a Nets fan. Um, yeah, I'm a Knicks fan. Um, and I, I would say that that's like the main thing I would follow uh that is not like music stuff so i'll pretty i'll follow the whole nba you know depending on how busy i am it it, it'll be how close i'll follow it but yeah like big knicks fan um go like my my family has uh season tickets so go to a bunch of the games um yeah Things are looking up for you guys. A little yeah, bit. we got the unicorn. We got Porzingis. Um, who, <laughs> uh, several. He he actually got several write-in votes for New York City mayor oh, really? um, in the in the most recent uh, election. Like uh, uh, several. I don't admit probably not more than a thousand, but in a, but that's yeah. Yeah, I mean um, yeah. Were Porz- you one of those thousand? I wasn't. Um, but uh, I, I I regret it not being one of the one thousand. Um, but yeah, things are looking up. We got uh, the French Connection, Nilakina going, and Persing per- yeah. is amazing. That's awesome, man. So, what's your favorite restaurant in your neighborhood? My favorite. I have two um, that are my favorite in the neighborhood. So one is a, a taco place called El Tanampa, which is in the back of sort of like a, a dusty bodega. Would be a maybe a generous way to describe it where it looks like it's like clothes from the outside and but if you go in the back of it it's like the best i would say like the best tacos in the city nice and then the other one another place uh in my neighborhood is a pizza place called Giuseppina's. 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 I see where you're leading me down the enunciation uh, yeah. of that. Um, we call it Juicy Peas yeah. <laughs> for short. Um, and uh, it's like old school. Um, uh, like they just have like a, a, a like the oven and they don't do salad. They just do pizza. They do calzone. Like they don't take credit card. It's like, yeah, it's nice. Cool. Yeah. Nice. 
And um, are these like well-known spots or are these like like your little These secrets? are under the radar spots. Um, so the, Those are always the best spots though. Yeah, like especially El Tanapa is like super under the radar. Um, and then Giuseppina is also very under the radar. The guy who owns that, his brother owns Lucali, which is one of the famous pizza places in New York where like Jay-Z and Beyonce famously went instead of going to the Grammys. This is like... The the brother has his own place that's like not in a cool neighborhood, yeah. Um, and so it's also like both those places are also like not popping usually. Yeah, like yeah. you can just like most places in New York that are known. If you wanted to go on like a Saturday or whatever, it'd be like a two hour wait. Mm-hmm. Like any place that's good, both of these places you can go to. Partly because they're in my neighborhood, which isn't really like a happening neighborhood. Um, so yeah, they're sort of like under the radar kind of gems, I would say. Nice. Hopefully it doesn't blow up now, you know, cause we got our millions yep. of listeners yep. here. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's, let's take it back. Cause I want to, I want to get through a bit of your history. What, um, how did you first start DJing and, and how did you kind of get into the game? Uh, I, uh, used my bar mitzvah money, uh, to get turntables. Nice. Um, that's, and, uh, when I got my turntables, the Sam Ash employee, that sold them to me said that I need to have lessons from him uh, to be a good DJ. And so like he worked at Sam Ash. So, you know, like he know he knows what he's saying. So I took some lessons from him nice. to start. And I also got, when I got that, I got a VHS, um, uh, like DMC champions, greatest hits kind of thing from like the late, it was like, Early '90s, I would say, is who was on that tape. Like Rock Radar, who, who Rock Radar would be like. He was at yeah. It'd be he would be like at the tail end of this tape. It was more like yeah. It was like '92 and '91 and crazy. Um, and that was the first time, like I, I, you know, like I wanted to get into it from like seeing like hip hop music and like getting more into it. So you were a hip hop head before you. you... I was starting to, like I was explore, exploring exploring yeah. um, and like starting to get more into like. underground kind of things i mean this is obviously like so i started djing in 2000 um so this is pre pre youtube um pre like tutorial videos pre all that kind of stuff so i would like i would like one of the actually the useful things would be i'd go on amazon.com and like some like art maybe like it'd be like talib kwali or something like that like i'd like talib kwali so then i'd see like people who bought talib kwali also bought and that was one of the ways i would find out about about new people um, and this is also, but yeah, so this is pre DJing. So it's like, I didn't like, you know, I didn't know about like, I don't like fat beats and like record stores and ways of finding out. I was were just there like, radio shows and stuff that you were into or not really? I was, I mean, I was into not, not radio. Yeah. Not radio shows. Um, but I was into like the, like sound bombing, like raucous records yep, kind of stuff. Sure. Um, and hearing those kind of sounds and also like the Swain King tech album with DJ revolution. For sure. For sure. Huge, huge, huge album. Yeah. And so um that sort of like made me get into it um like want to do it but then when i got that dmc tape i hadn't seen anything like that before really and so um when i saw that i was just, yeah it was just sort of like mind blown like okay like okay i'm gonna do this like, and, and so the sam ash uh, guy was he like a, a dope dj like are you still in touch with him no i'm not still in touch with him he gave me a few lessons about um like sort of like mixing basics and yep. then it was um I like went to summer camp for the summer and I didn't re up on my lessons. Yeah. Uh, when I came back, um, so I'm not I'm not still in, in touch with him. Um, but he's he sort of like, 
taught me like the very sort of like blending basic, basic blending yeah, and yeah. whatever yeah. did you buy text right away or did you start off on some ghetto turntables or starter turntables i i got text right away and then the main sort of like i had like a real bad uh G- gemini mixer as my first mixer um how, how bad are we talking like scratch, yeah, I don't scratch master bad or it like, might have been a scratch it was the one where like you it had a, a transform button yeah, yeah, i think that, oh yeah yeah um, I forget the the model, but also like the one where like the lights, uh, channel lights like aren't vertical; they're like rainbow, you know, like arc. Okay, oh. yeah, yeah, I think yeah. I remember nice. that one. Yeah. Um. So that that's what I started with. So were your parents pissed that you took your bar mitzvah money and bought turntables? No, I mean they've been real supportive basically the whole way I've been doing all this because I mean like I was doing battles in high school and having to travel and stuff so I couldn't really like I had to have their blessing to kind of be doing that I can't just be like all right uh see you like I'm taking this flight to California to be in this battle where I can't get into the club um so they I sort of like they had to be on board and they were um yeah they were supportive 100 percent um so that, that's sort of like yeah it's a blessing I heard um, your dad traveled well with you, and he kind of got to know a lot of the DJs around the circuit. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like, um, like so. And at that time, like when I when I started to do battles, um, uh, this crew called the Low Lives Crew out of New York, they sort of took me under their wing. Um, so that would be uh, Confucius, Boogie Blind, and Precision. Um, and so they, I mean, they're you know like n- now they're uh, like lifelong friends, but they like you know and then like they know my family well like when i first started practicing with them i was um 15 um and so uh yeah like my parents weren't just gonna like drop me off in queens at like these strangers (laughs) house and like to go like play play in their basement um so they like like yeah got to know um like precision and confucius like real real well and just like i think yeah like being in the scene people would especially like know know my dad mm-hmm. um who would and, and and my mom too um because yeah like they were there at the battles like yeah yeah speaking of your mom I, this is I, I found this quote hilarious i think we were supportive the only thing that's tough on the parents is that a lot of it is pretty foul mouth but you get used to it <laughs> and then she goes on to talk about um, one of your early disses i guess um she's referring to battle where you you go eeny meeny miny mo suck my dick and swallow slow, and she says I'm like honey that's a verb you need to modify it with an adverb slowly. <laughs> I yeah. thought that was awesome. Yeah 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 um that yeah that, that's what I'm saying yeah there's there's they're 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 with it yeah that that was from one of the DMCs and I, I was using an Andrew Dice Clay uh, record in my set uh, to nice. dis to diss my opponent. Nice. Um, Did you add this? ly to in 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 future yeah it's my edit you know like djs make edits for the club i make like grammatical edits to fix all the grammar mistakes of uh rap songs and so so sorry to interrupt was it so was it straight into battling for you or did you like rock parties like kind of just regular sets or was it all just straight turn turntablism i did you know like i started doing before i uh really got quite into it right away um like you know like a middle school dance or two but yeah, like yeah, when yeah. i when i started it was like 100% about scratching 100% Same. about battling did nice. not care in the slightest uh, about doing a party or making people dance in mm-hmm. fact like i like at that time i was sort of like 
you know, like whatever, as a teenager, I'd be like, I'd look down at it. I'd be like, <laughs> oh, like party DJ. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. oh yeah, 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 yeah. I'm like, I'm doing like the real stuff. Like, you know, I'm, I'm scratching. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah, the muscle. same way a, a party DJ probably looks down on a wedding DJ or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And then at a certain point, you're like, oh, like, oh, these are all good things to yeah, do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, gotta, you know, like make money, make, make, make money, have fun. Um, uh, but yeah, like for the, really the first big, big chunk, um, probably like i mean in co- in college so i started college in 2004 that's when i started really doing parties more um but i sort of like didn't care i would say you like, would still just kind of play whatever you didn't like cater to the crowd or anything you just no like... I, d- I would cater to the crowd okay. but i looked at it as like that's my way to make money in college for sure, for sure um and so even through that all i like my focus in terms of how i p- spent my energy would just like 100 percent battling scratching um and it probably, yeah, it wasn't, wouldn't be until later, like probably like even like graduating and starting to do this, like as my like job in real life that I came to love, uh, more sides to DJing than just doing battles. But yeah, it was like hundred percent hardcore battling, practicing that, like, you know, all hours of the day, um, for many years. Yeah. So for were your first records, like strictly battle records or were you buying like hip hop records or breaks? I was, I would get, I mean, I got the scratch records and stuff, but no, I, I mean, I was still really into like underground hip hop. So I would go, yeah, like I'd get like doubles of like whatever, Afro, Ra, Ra, you know, like <laughs> raucous record, like, um, and I would, uh, like in middle school, yeah, like a lot of times I'd like pocket my lunch money and then save that to go to Fat Beats. Um, so I, I would get like lots and lots of like backpack kind of hip hop. What, what are some of the artists that you that come to mind? Um, it's like to, to, for some reason Afro Ra always sticks out because it's. I was a huge Afro Ra fan too. Yeah, yeah sure. um, and actually, like now that I think about it, like I had like doubles of uh, some of the early. Cardinal official, uh, nice songs. Official, uh, official. You got to throw that like slang on it. Yeah, it was basically just like whatever the like mo- like uh, lone catalyst. I got a lot of lone catalyst, just like underground shit. Under underground, underground yeah. under yeah underground stuff. And uh, yeah, like like I remember like in my early like I had routines with um yeah I mean obviously I had, like gangstar routines. Mm, yeah. Um, yeah, that's actually the best way to think about like what did I make routines with? Um, I had a. Uh, Master Ace routine, uh, had some Nas routines, um, uh, I had some Dilated Peoples routines. Dilated. Yeah, I had some Jurassic 5 routines, um, and, and, uh, but yeah, like, I'd go in, I'd buy, like, you know, just, like, go in the record store every week and try to get, like, du- you know, doubles of some obscure, uh, stuff. For sure, yeah. You're really fortunate to be in New York where there's tons of record stores, because, we really growing up only had two options, right? Yeah, I mean there were some maybe smaller mom and pop uh, shops, but yeah, it was always just play to record or tracks, pretty much. That yeah, that were and the smaller ones would typically have like thirty, forty records, the latest kind of joints, mm-hmm. and um, a lot of those white label bootlegs, mm-hmm. um, which we were pretty famous for. I think Toronto having some of those. You know those five or six tracks um, bootlegged on a yeah. I remember like when I I would be rocking parties like those were good because it it was a cheap way. You know what I mean? Just like it it would have like eight tracks on it, like just all the hot shit, and then you just buy one record for twelve bucks and and you had it. You know. Well, it was hard. It was hard for me is sometimes I'd, I'd like make routines with some of those tracks, like the ones that would be like white label only. And like you know you'd wear out the record, and so I'd, I'd like go around the city. 
like can get like every copy of like i don't the one i'm thinking of is like some like jay-z song that like never came out where i'd go like buy like every single copy of the white label in the city basically (laughs) or like find it on ebay yeah the trials and tribulations before serato yeah (laughs) yeah how do you feel about serato was that a game changer when did you kind of adapt to that i mean at first i definitely thought it was corny um and uh yeah like uh and now, I mean, now I'm like Mr. Technology. Um, but I remember like at one of the DMCs, Serato just came out and some like rep from Serato like did a set. Showcase thing or something. And, yeah, it, yeah. and he got booed. Um, like the person <laughs> doing the set got booed. Yeah, yeah. Um, Crazy. And then I started to see the value of it more like when I was doing the college parties. and Because when, I was, sure. in, when I was in college, I would like... I almost had like, you know, had to have like friend divorces because like I would have my, like my friends would help me carry crates of records and mm-hmm. it would be like you know, like carrying five crates of records, like through, like, you know, just straight up carrying them like all throughout campus. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and then, yeah, then that's like really when I start, I started to yeah. use Serato maybe like my junior or senior year. Yeah. It just makes sense. Right. Yeah. At the end of the day. It just makes sense. And, and lugging those crates. I mean, Diggy and I have talked about it several times and I think every, every one of the older DJs who's been around through that transition, um, it was a struggle to carry those records and get them around, and you can't really adjust too much on the fly. You're set. Yeah. You're limited to X amount of records. And I mean, because you know, I was doing the you know like college sort of like you know like formal dan- dances and stuff. So I'd like you know I'd like go and buy you know like the new Britney Spears record. Or yeah, like, yeah, I'd yeah. Have to that's get, super annoying. Like <laughs> get all the new like pop hits. I'd I'd get on on vinyl. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. So what? Speaking of technology and stuff, what is your kind of setup now? I know you you don't have a traditional setup. You have your you know turntables and mixer, the standard rig, and then you have a bunch of other shit that you throw in there. Yeah. So I mean, I've been yeah, I'm on Tractor. I've been using Tractor for maybe like ten years now, actually. Um, and then I keep kind of like adding to my. I think there's like two ways you can go. You can eat like it's fun because um, I'm on tour right now with John First, and his rig is super minimal. Um, you have like a lot of different options in this like technology thing, and I've I've been sort of going the other way, and I've just been like adding more and more stuff. Um, so my current rig is you know two turn two turntables. Um, I bring the Z2 mixer with me everywhere. I bring the machine with me everywhere um, as like a MIDI controller, and then now I just started bringing a keyboard with me everywhere, um, like a MIDI keyboard where I'm controlling uh, Ableton um at the same time and that's sort of uh so that's my rig and it's sort of a product of starting to incorporate more of my original songs in into my sets and so like the most of the time rather than just like playing my new track i'll like figure out a way to perform it live and try to integrate that into the rest of my kind of like dj flow yeah so i think 10 years from now this is going to be the equivalent conversation of carrying around crates because it might be on some minority report shit when mm-hmm. you're just touching, touching yeah. the air there. <laughs> yeah, I noticed, I, I noticed the keyboard uh, that you bring out a lot now and in, in, in some of your routines online. Are you classically trained at all? Um, no, I'm not. I mean, I played saxophone okay. um, from age, like ages like 6 to 18. Okay. Um, and uh, I took like one music theory class in, in college. Um uh, but part of, yeah, so, but I've been teaching myself piano uh, for about a year and a half now, um, doing uh, an hour a day, um, just sort of like learning from adult learning books and classical books. Cool. Um, and then my girlfriend's really good at piano, so she helps. And it started coming from one, um, I had a, or have a project with another DJ named Inferno called Easy, yep. where 
he he um he is classically trained in piano and so for our routines and our performances we would have to do keys and i would like learn you know i'd I'd learn the keys parts but just like in terms of doing that one little specific thing but sort of like having that workflow for that um as a way to perform original music i really liked and i like it um and sort of started adapting that into my solo stuff as well cool yeah it's it's a nice added uh feature for sure i like it yeah i mean i've i've been looking at um some of your recent routines i mean one that I saw recently is the Amazon keynote speech. That was yeah. pretty cool because you pretty much just um, took the acapella, I guess, of the the CTO's keynote speech and you just chopped it up and did some crazy shit with it. Yeah, that's a, it's been like a really fun thing. I've, that's, that's the second year I've done that now where um, Amazon, they do these uh, big tech conferences. And the last two years, we've done a thing where uh, the, the CTO, like they record him they send me the audio file of like his key quotes and I basically, I turned it into a routine um, and where it, but it, I turned it into a routine via like, it's my music mm-hmm. um, that, that I use. And then, uh, and then sort of, yeah, that's like my sam- my vocal sample. Um, but then, yeah, like figuring out a way to manipulate it in all sorts of ways and also manipulate it in a way that's interesting to like this very, very different kind of crowd where the crowd, I mean, I'm performing at like eight in the morning for a room full of, of like, yeah, tech, tech people. And so what are ways to make it, uh, understandable and cool and keep them engaged, keep them engaged. And like, yeah. So like I always now, and for those kinds of things, like, um, you know, there'll be a part where like, I'm definitely scratching it. There'll be a part where I'm like doing some sort of drumming thing. There'll be a part where I'm doing some sort of keys thing. And just to keep it very engaging and dynamic, um, uh, for this, for an audience that is not, you know, that don't know like performance DJing or whatever, wouldn't care just to keep it, keep it interesting. Yeah, I was really curious as I was watching about halfway through. I'm like, what's the crowd gonna respond at the end? And it was a pretty warm reception. I mean, it was a huge room too. Yeah, and they, it was pretty loud. Like everyone gave it up for you. Yeah, it was nice. And uh, um, yeah, it's like it's <laughs> it's happening at eight in the morning. And it's coming before like literally a three-hour talk, okay. of, like a three-hour technical talk. So any kind of uh, response at all um, is is nice. Uh, yeah. And that yeah, I felt like I felt the love. I, I, you get a, got a lot of love like on the internet, uh, mm-hmm. you know, like via tw- Twitter and technical channels, which yeah. is probably the more natural means of communication um, for for the, for the crowd. Um, but yeah, it was cool. Um, it's really that's a really fun. It's like one of my favorite things now that I'm doing mm-hmm. is to just because it's such a different context from any sort of more like more traditional kind of. Yeah, DJ and you thing. seem to gravitate more towards you know kind of techy stuff, nerdy stuff, and so it seems like a, a perfect marriage there. I, I feel like uh, sorry. I feel like even if you're not a DJ, like if you watch one of your performances, like it's super engaging because there's like so much going on that like people are engaged and they respect it and you know what i mean i don't think you have to be like a dj head to really kind of get your sets so that that's super cool thank you yeah and i mean part it's it's designed like that and just like even if you don't know the technical stuff that's happening you would at least know like oh look like now that guy's over there he's actually doing something yeah and he's like hitting this other thing now and a new sound is happening like it can be as simple as like Someone is moving around and hitting new things, and yeah. I'm hearing new sounds. Yeah, for sure, for sure, it's entertaining, yeah. man. It's it's engaging, 100. percent 
Uh, speaking of um, routines and stuff, would what would you say your kind of most popular um, routine online is? Because there's a ton of awesome ones, and I, I kind of have some ideas in mind. Mm. But I want to I want to hear like what what's been the biggest response for you? What's your favorite? I think the most significant one is probably the Mercy one uh, that I did. Um, it, uh, for like the tractor Z2 video, it, do, it doesn't have, it ha- I mean, it has good views. It doesn't mm-hmm. have the most views, but I think like, as far as like, uh, having an impact, uh, on like the greater context of DJing, I see that one as like the most, um, the most, yeah, like the most, like the most, I don't know, I don't want to sound too, too cocky or anything, but that one's like, sort of like, to me, it's like the most like sort of game changing, whether or not you're a battle DJ, you're allowed to be cocky. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, 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 (laughs) I try not to. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that one is like where I felt like I really opened up, like all this new technology was coming out. And I I think I, for that one, it was a good example of how to use all these new tools Mm -hmm. and maybe one of the first times where a lot of these kinds of techniques get, got used. Do you see any uh, revenue off of the the YouTube stuff? Not, I mean, uh, not like I'm not I directly. Mean, not yeah, like I'm not mon- like the like so, yeah, some of them yeah, like the ones that I host that are my music. There's revenue. The ones that are like using other people's music on the NI channel um, are not not revenue beyond like whatever like fee we talk about to to do the to do the video. Um, but yeah, I feel I felt like very proud of Mer- Mercy. Um, and just like, uh, at that time, like, uh, me and craze, uh, we're so, like, we're, we're homies. We were sort of having like, maybe like joke back and forth co- competition kind of stuff. And I feel like that, that one, I like kind of got him on that one. Was that, was that, would that be around the time that he did the new slaves routine? He did that later. Okay. So okay. yeah, he did that maybe like a year after. Um, and he, he came out with, he, the, he, it was when he did the, uh, tonight. Okay. Re- tonight routine so he came out with that one first and then I, and then i had the mercy routine so i would actually when i was making it, i was sort of just thinking like i need to make something better yeah, than yeah. what craze did but then he came back with the new slaves routine and i think now like he 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 has the he owns like best routine now okay so you, so we're, we're what, what you're now, saying is now. there's going to be a reply i don't know i don't know i'm in, i'm like a different different kind of mental space than than i was yeah. at that at that time um but yeah, basically at that time I was thinking like I need to like to make the best routine ever made. Yeah, yeah. And at that time I thought I did. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, I I really like I believe it's the dope girls routine which you are also broke down afterwards. Is that yeah. correct? Yeah. And uh, that that's the one you like. Yeah, I liked it and I loved the the breakdown for oh, people yeah. too because I think a lot of people and like to to Diggy's point about whether it's the layman or the geek, they I think someone would be interested like what the fuck's going on here. Yeah, and I would say that Dope Girls is like example of where my head's at right now, which is um, one, it's a good example of where I'm trying to go like with my productions and music where it's sort of like a future boom bap kind of sound. Mm -hmm. But then really all my new, if I make a new video or something, I put it out, it's going to be my music. And Mm -hmm. so that was like the uh, first or second example. It was like the first invitation of like what I'm doing now and all my live stuff, which is like taking my own music using keys, using pads, using scratching, trying to bring it all together, trying to make it sound good to someone who doesn't care about scratching, try to make it seem cool to someone who does care about scratching. So that one is sort of like a good, yeah, for me, I, I'm proud of it as a example of like my, my current workflow. Yeah, and basically. You, you catch a wide net with it because I think like, 
I'd show that to my mom and she would be impressed. Just having, you know <laughs> what I mean? Like it just, she knows, okay, I know the waka wakas and yeah, stuff, yeah. but you know, there's keyboards here. There's a drum pad. No, I get it's a, what it's this a good, does. It's a good balance for sure. Like adding those extra elements, I think helps. And uh, yeah, and I think like, uh, I, and I was victim to this myself for many, many years is like, it, um, and it's almost kind of like really weird and obvious to think of, but it's like the most important thing is the music and how it sounds. But actually, for like sure. I did not know this for myself, like being a battle DJ, a lot of times what you think of is what's hard, what's hard and what's like innovative. And if people don't like get it, like that's their their fault. But really like what m- matters and what's connects the most is like how it sounds um and if you yeah like if you go and see your favorite band you're not like oh my god like the guitarist just did like a like a three hit like weird f- he brought his foot up to the guitar and he strummed it with his foot yeah. or like he threw the guitar around it. you're just like oh wow like that's a cool song and like i like this song and that person's a good guitarist yeah um so that's sort of like uh yeah, like I'm really thinking about that much more now. Like, how does it sound just to someone who doesn't care about DJing at all? Would someone want to see this performance just because, like, in the same way of a band, like, do they like the song? Um, do they think it's performed in a cool way, whether they know anything or not about DJing? Mm-hmm. And I think what's going to, I'm bringing this up again, it's going to be a reoccurring thing on this podcast because I'm at the headspace too, where as a fan and a listener, um, there's there's a balance between the battle DJing and the party rocking and the production side of things because I, I I can't do like just go crazy when you're just super technical and I think the majority of people won't and you try to take a girl out to jam like that you're not getting them very engaged yeah we do talk about that a lot I think it's about the balance man you know what I mean like it's like you know just keeping people engaged in different ways like we all like love the scratching and the beat juggling and all that but like there there comes a point where it kind of like you're saying it it should sound good it should sound good and i mean i think there's also there's a value in a couple times a set like i mean everything depends on context but if you're doing like a a, a broader kind of set is like basically like stopping the flow and making everyone look at look at you and try to do something crazy i think mm. that's good like once or twice a set just as a way to switch switch things up like if, yep. you, if it's 100 percent that i think you lose people yep. it, but it's still nice i think sometimes to basically like have that moment where you disrupt everything mm-hmm. and say like well i'm going to do something really cool now yeah it's, uh, it's like a it's like a guitar solo yeah, or yeah. a drum solo or yeah. whatever right? yeah Same if it's nothing of. but solo yeah 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 but that one solo that you catch it's like that 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 no, can be a nice stops. addition it stops people and you look and that is awesome but then you know to get back into the flow of things i 100 percent agree yeah, I mean, like one of, one of my favorite DJs is uh, DJ EZ uh, in the in the UK, who's a UK garage DJ, okay. and he he's sort of like he's a CD, he uses CDJs, um, but he he freaks them like a turntable. And one thing I noticed that he does really well, and is which is really cool, and it's sort of similar to doing a routine, um, is he does a lot of often he'll build tension where it like sounds like it's going wrong. Or it's, mm-hmm. it sounds like something is messing up. It sounds like it's getting out of control, and he'll build a tension, and then like perfectly right on beat, drop like drop the next track and release the tension perfectly. Mm-hmm. And I feel like yeah, like hardcore turntablism can can serve in in a similar uh, kind of way. It's just like a tension kind of thing. Mm-hmm. That's a good way of putting it. Cool. 
Um, speaking of your favorite DJs, what what was your favorite DJ growing up? Craze and A Track were my yeah. favorite DJs growing up. Um, uh, yeah, like I used to uh, like I had a mini disc player at that time, and I would like have the recordings of their DMC sets uh, on the mini disc uh, and like listen to them over and over again. And uh, like that was the era of uh, turntablism that I thought was like that was like super engaging to me creatively. Um, was like the like ninety nine two thousand two thousand one. Mm-hmm. Um, and particularly, uh, craze and a track. Yeah. Um, do you know those? Well, you said, you know, craze, you know, a track as well. Or are you yeah. buddies with those guys? Yeah. 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 Cool. Um, yeah, it's, it, um, yeah, yeah. No, those is, guys. is that, a, is that a trip to you a bit? Like the young you, would you ever thought that these are your peers? These are going to be your peers. And nah, it's a super, it's a super trip. Um, yeah. And no, it's like, um, yeah, it's like getting to meet, meet and work like, like get to know, uh, yeah, like basically that's who I kind of like idolized kind of growing mm-hmm. when I was like in whatever, like middle school, high school. These are, that's who I looked up to. And it's, yeah, it's definitely a trip. I mean, the one, one sort of like super trippy one was, uh, when I won DMC US in 09 before I went to Worlds, mm-hmm. um, I went to scratch at Qberts for the first time. Oh, wow. Crazy. And, and that's really like, um, as a scratch, that's like some sort of like, I don't know, like kind of like religious scratch experience. God. Yeah. That's God, right? Yeah. And, it, and like, it felt like being like, like blessed before, before <laughs> the world. You've um, been knighted. Yeah. And it was, yeah, it was just super. It was just crazy, like to be like be on that like octagon table that you see yeah, in yeah, all the yeah, videos. For sure, for sure. And was there other guys there too? The first time, like I went over there and it, um, I had a show in San Francisco, um, and I I went over there late. Like uh, I think I think we probably scratched from like one in the morning to like eight in the morning. Crazy! Oh, Is that like in a garage or something? I've seen that table, obviously. Yeah, in different things. It's in his garage or this, something. This this one that uh, this one is, was in like a, a room, but he he I think he's like moved uh, as he's moved around. It's like gone to different places. This was in like a non garage room. Later, I w- yeah I went to one where it was in the garage, um, and it was just like. Yeah, it was just like crazy. It was just yeah, it was just like oh, like we, we'd scratch and then be like oh, like it, it was basically like learning what to like practice for the next year mm-hmm. or something. You'd be like oh, well then there's this one, and then you like try. To, like, was there much like, talking going on, or it's just like you talk with your hands? Like it's just like straight scratching for like eight hours. Mo- mostly, mostly scratching. Yeah. I would say. I mean, it'd just be like the only talking would be like oh, like, here's this. And then be like, oh, it's like this? And be like, yeah, it's like that. And then it'd be like the next one. I bet those little criticisms or tips were etched in your memory for that next year, right? (laughs) It was just, yeah, it was just like he, because he's like um, so dedicated and devoted to scratching. Like he's like still, like still it's out of control. Like how good. It's insane. It's insane. And they were, I think they were like the first guys to actually kind of like share Mm -hmm. their knowledge and kind of teach and like help the culture grow. Like, cause before it was a lot of like, you know, keeping your tricks to yourself, keeping your records to yourself and not really kind of like sharing it that way. So that's super cool that they've, they've elevated the whole game. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I remember I used to like read about descriptions of scratches on the internet. Like there wouldn't even be an audio example. It'd just be like a paragraph about a flare and that's all you have to go off. of. Yeah. Wow. That's so, so what about some of the up and coming or the newer guys? Who are you, who are you feeling? In the like turntables performance side of things? Um, uh, this guy from Japan, Yuto, 
Uh, he won the DMC. Oh, is that the, uh, he's a young kid, right? Or... It's a different guy. Okay. So Reyna, he won this year, but the year before is this guy Yuto, okay. uh, who won. And I think he's like um, amazing, like the full package. Um, the year before he won DMC World, I saw him in the DMC Japan final, and I was like, I, yeah, I was like, this guy's going to be a world champion. Um, and I, yeah, I just think he's the full package in terms of not just like technique, but also in terms of like having like a sonic identity, which um, uh, is like a lot of, I would say, turntablists don't necessarily have, like there's like a sound to him. And he also like uses the new technology in cool ways and is like innovative in the kinds of techniques that he does and sounds really cool and big. Um, so that's one person. And there's also this uh, uh, teenager dwells, um, who's living in New York, he, who, who's, he, he's really starting to make like his own sound um, in terms of what he's doing. And I think that's sort of like what catches my ear more than anything. Um, it's not necessarily like at this point uh, where I'm at, I, I, like I care less if someone like does some new hard scratch or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I'm more interested in if someone has their own sound and their own like vibe when they, even when they do a battle set. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, this kid dwells, has a cool, like organic, like new hip hop kind of vibe to him, which is cool. Nice. And so would you reach out to these guys and just, you know, potentially collaborate or just um, offer some advice or, or learn? You, some you, you told me and him, actually, we have an EP that we're working on. So we already have three tracks done together. Oh, okay. um, so we're working together and then dwells. Um, uh, he's sort of like part of the New York kind of fam and like earlier before we did dmc the first time we we like did a couple lessons together um uh so it's sort of yeah the the the, those two it's like uh yeah as it i mean as far like the yuto collaboration makes a lot of sense like as actual collaboration because um musically uh it like fits well and like the sort of things that we're into in terms of like a production side of things is is pretty close Definitely. I definitely want to get into um, some of the production because um, before we, we we got on the mic, Sarah was just chatting with Shifty about how I went down a rabbit hole the other day while, <laughs> while prepping for this interview. But so going back to, you know, after you got your turntables, after high school, you started getting into the battling scene. Then you kind of quit and went to Harvard to get your degree. Mm, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I took a break because um, it got uh, real stressful. Um, uh, and I like kind of wasn't having fun with anymore. Like I was doing the battles from started at, uh, 15 doing battles, um, and did them all the way up through high school. Um, and it sort of can be tough where if you like take it really, really seriously and then like you, you know, you get to the battle and like your needle skips or like, uh, you know, like the sound is weird or something it can feel like you wasted your year. And if you don't have us, um, the right kind of like mindset, it can be like very, stressful mm-hmm. and sort of deflating sometimes. So I sort of like, uh, took, um, yeah, break from competition when, when I, when I went to school, still kept practicing, still kept doing all kinds of things. And then, and then I entered the DMC again, like between my junior and senior year, uh, just like on a whim. And then I like won the whole world. And I was like, all right, I should probably like start doing this again seriously. But you, you were you were also just DJing um, parties around campus and stuff like that. Yeah, I was DJing parties around campus, and then I was also DJing for a local uh, rap group called Awkward Landing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like their DJ, and I would like do solos at all the shows, and it was a real good experience. And like, 
getting in reps, performing in all sorts of like <laughs> like crappy venues with uh, crappy in Boston. Setup. Eh? Did they did they oh, tour okay. around like uh, around the country or it, they would tour around New England? Okay, uh, I mean not to give me like we I mean we also played like cool cool venues and stuff and good and good venues, but um, you know like we were like the opener for like you know like a rap group that would come in, and so the you know you have to set up quickly you know you're not actually the priority yeah for sure um and so yeah it was good like getting reps like performing and performing in like um you know maybe like not ideal situations it's like, like yeah you don't have a monitor today like yeah a hundred percent a hundred percent or like oh like this turntable is like super broken yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. or like here's, now here's a wobbly table go set up here's a wobbly yeah, table yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um so that those were the main thing and i was sort of like making some weird turntable music maybe you know like inspired by like uh, like Ned Hottings and um, like D Styles, you know, making like little tracks in my dorm room mm-hmm. where you know, like I'd scratch the drums, I'd scratch the you know, whatever the, the synth part. Yeah. So did you kind of get a, immersed at all in that Boston hip hop scene? Like, did you encounter any of the other guys like Static Selector around the scene? Stat. Uh, so um, yeah, we, we definitely immersed. Like, this was the underground Boston Boston hip hop scene, and, and we we're definitely like immersed immersed in it via this group. Like, we would. We would like so middle the Middle East is like one of the main venues there, okay. um, and so like we would like open all the time for like the the person that like Far- you know like Farrell Monch or someone like that 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 would come in, um, and yeah, we definitely like a part of that part of that scene. Um, Static Static Selector, I didn't meet him till late till much later when we both like had the same flight to Croatia, okay, and we were both kind of like stranded in a in Croatia in, a, in an airport. Um, that's when I like met. met were you him. like I'm a DJ? I'm a DJ. Did he know who you were? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I like saw him on the on the plane, and I like gave him a little head nod. Like, yeah, up? I like no, yeah, you know, I like Twitter DM'd him. I'm like, yo, are you on a flight to Croatia right now? And then when we got off. We we, okay. we we like hung out a bit. Oh, more. that's awesome. Yeah, that's cool. Actually, before I I, I I jump off the battle side of things, um, just want wanted your take um, because you're still involved in the DMC, obviously as a judge, as a showcase DJ. Um, how do you how do you feel about Red Bull and and the? It's quite a vast difference between the two competitions. Yeah, I mean, I like any anything that has, um, you know, that like gives DJs a platform, um, and I think it's like it's. Just yeah, exactly. Any anything that is t- like supporting DJs, I think is good for good for DJing, and I think it's fun that it's like uh, a party vibe. Um, like if I end, like I personally would probably have like no idea how to like do it as a DJ. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like uh, I mean, I probably you know I'm sure I could like study it. I have one student that I help who does Red Bulls, um, but sort of like uh, my current headspace for DJing. Uh, doesn't necessarily like uh, match what happens uh in in uh, the three styles um uh but i think it's like in what way could you elaborate like headspace well, wise i say like my my current headspace on, on djing is i, I want to have my performance be just like the way i perform my music and that if you like if you come to a show of mine it's about like the sonic world that i'm trying to create and so it's not necessarily about a competition it's not mm-hmm. necessarily about trying to like please please people or like yeah you're not really catering to the crowd you're doing what you do um making the music that that you love and that sounds good to you and then people come and embrace it for what it is as opposed to like me i'm out there playing like you know 
Bieber records. Yeah, I mean, but I, you know, I, I I do that too. I have to do that too. And I was talking about this last night with Scratch Bastard. Is that like, um, like my current goal goal is basically yeah, like to create more of like an artist kind of experience, um, where it's like you come and it's to be a part of the like sonic world and the vibe, and it's less a whole a whole bunch of like being a battle DJ and a performance DJ, um, or even I think like a Red Bull DJ is like the experience the optimal experience that would happen is you go and you see the DJ and you go, that DJ is dope. Mm-hmm. And you, that's what you come with. You go like, man, that DJ could like scratch really fast. Like that is impressive. Yeah. Like I'm impressed with that guy's DJing and that's cool and interesting. But if you think about like what are valuable musical experiences for you, for like, for, for me personally, it's like, it's like the, whatever the artist is, they created like a vibe that I will like, come away with and think about and want to go back to mm-hmm. i feel like and this this is something that i did my whole like for a huge part of my career is you go you see a dj you go man that dj is dope it's like but then it's like okay i saw it you know what i'm saying man that dj made my day man that dj <laughs> made my day but it's like you don't necessarily like you wouldn't go see uh, it's funny i said this is some this exact line to someone's like you wouldn't go see like cirque du soleil like 10 times you see yeah. it once he's like what are you talking about like i've seen cirque du soleil like eight <laughs> times eight times like when it comes to my to the city i see it every single time so who, who knows yeah, yeah. It, but it, it can kind of almost be compared more to like a band or like an yeah. artist like you're putting on a show uh, mm-hmm. of your music and you're kind of like a one-man band yeah um do you find people um at your shows are like watching it more like how they would watch a band or do you find people are like dancing how they would at like a well a yeah the, party the, this is sort of yeah what, what i was uh I, I i got a little sidetracked um but so i, I play like i play and still continue to play like open format okay things cool. like yeah. i'll play like casinos and play bieber and do all that stuff and i was talking about this last night with scratch scratch bastard is that what I want to do is create the sonic experience. But what happens is my DJ mind, my like DJ training goes in and says, and realize like, Oh, like, Oh, this is not quite working. What will work? And then what happens is my DJ brain says, okay, I'm going to solve this problem and like make the dance floor go. Yeah, yeah. And then afterwards I'm like, oh, I should have just stuck to my I, shit. Like, I should have <laughs> just made people unhappy. I mean, but then it's a hard one. Cause then, you know, you, you, you know, you don't want to make people unhappy. And, um, yeah, so it's sort of like a, a tricky thing, a tricky, tricky thing of like, how do you do you, especially it being like a DJ? Cause like, if you want to make a living, you got to, yeah, 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 for sure. Maybe it's just like a matter of like throwing in some more recognizable routines within like your personal like production stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, Anna Luneau had a nice quote, which is, which is she said something like on Twitter, like if you come to my show, it's because like, I've been trying to like create the vibe of who I want to come to my show. Mm-hmm. And so if you do that well enough and long, long enough and you're, and you're consistent, the sort of the, the goal, the hope, the idea is like the gigs that you do would be the gigs that you want to do. And that the people who come are like the people that you've, like basically kind of like tried to curate like mm-hmm. that's the dream man right that's, there that's the that's the dream yeah ex- exactly so it's sort of like it's it's yeah it's a it's a tricky i think every dj goes 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 through it 100% of just like like you know like i know what will work i know what i want to do how do i like meet in the middle somewhere? how do i meet in the middle or how do i not meet in the middle 
yeah. you know <laughs> how do i not meet in the middle and like still like have money for food you know <laughs> yeah yeah and, and i think a lot of this speaks to your longevity and evolution in the game because you've transitioned from a battle dj and let's face it a, a good number of your peers that you're battling with probably aren't doing much these days to a club touring dj um to expanding your musical taste genre to production yeah i mean like i'm i'm always just interested in things that i think like seem cool and are and seem difficult and so like i'm always interested in new music i'm always, i'm always interested in how to uh push whatever i'm doing like to make it different and to make it new and what will always excite me is like something's like whoa like i never heard a song like that before like let me get more into like this style this style of music um and yeah it's so it, it i think also part of it is just uh be, being willing to keep doing it like i yeah. think with any kind of music thing i uh, if you just like like it, it hasn't just been like uh you know like oh success 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 mm -hmm. like it hasn't just been like a straight line up with any you know like i've had times where it's like man like I haven't gotten like book, booked in a while. Yeah. Um, and it's just a matter of like when that, when that comes up, being willing to sort of like stick it out, believe in yourself and be like, keep, keep going. I think just like yeah. continue and to like do it. What helps. you touched on uh, um, with, with battle DJing when, you know, some of these skips are, it could be really disheartening at times. Right. And you need to be in that proper headspace to keep pushing forward. Yeah, absolutely. Like when I think back, back at it, like when I was in high school, I was like, man, like I was like disappointed. I never won a national title. But when I look back at it, it was like I wasn't actually in the right headspace. Like mm -hmm. I didn't have the right maturity or outlook on on competing uh, to to be ready to win at that point. Mm -hmm. yeah. So um, let's yeah, let's talk about a bit of your production because I've been um, exploring some of your stuff and it's quite diverse. I mean, you're working with uh, rappers from the UK. You have um, your Boom Bap and Beyond project. You have your Easy project. So. Yeah, like t tell us a, a bit about what what you've been doing and what you're working on. Yeah, so I, I mean, really, the last few years have been more uh, focused on getting better at production and mm -hmm. putting in those same hours that I put into DJing and scratching. Getting putting those same hours in to all aspects of music production, and so one of the things that's been very important for me with that is just making as much music as possible, like at least at, le at least a track a day. Um, yeah. And with that, and I think that's how you, for me, that's how I've started. I'm not there yet by any means, but starting to like hone in on a sound. Like that's my goal. My goal is to like, one, hone in on a sound that I think is like my sound, and two, just be able to produce any kind of music in terms of like, placements or like 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 i'd love to like make a rap song that like drake was on like mm -hmm. like I, i'd I, love that we'll i think some I, calls. I, we'll make some calls for you <laughs> yeah thank you put in the word I, I think, I <laughs> that's think, why i'm here right now i was hoping this would lead to drake <laughs> um i think all like the the top producers uh especially in hip-hop um tend to kind of have like a recognizable sound like whether it's the neptunes or dj Premier, it's like they have a sound and it's recognizable and and you know what I mean? That's kind of what they're known for and that's a cool thing. So that's kind of what you're aspiring to do is kind of have your own sonic sound. Yeah, exactly. And I think that comes from, it doesn't happen overnight. Like I would say in DJing, like in DJing turntables and performance, I feel like I have my style, which is my style. But that came over the course of like 10 plus years putting in many hours every day. And I'm sort of going through the same thing right now with production in terms of putting in those hours, making a lot, a lot of stuff. Um, and I'm the stuff that's dope right now, you know, I'll put it out 
and uh and uh and that's all in service of exactly trying to like hone in on it on a sound and that just comes from i think like doing it over and over again seeing what feels good to you seeing what works seeing what doesn't and it just happens organically what are you what are you using uh for production these Able, Ableton. Ableton, yeah, that's the main, yeah, the main thing. I and mean, do you I, use the machine as well for for drums or anything like that, or that's nope. more just for your live stuff? Just just for live stuff. So I use Ableton. Um, I have like uh, an MS twenty synth at home that I'll use sometimes. But my main like uh, workflow is in Ableton. I mean VSTs and whatever, and a MIDI, yep. and a MIDI keyboard. Cool. And that's how I do it. Nice. So um, the label Hot Mom USA. Mm. what's what's your involvement in that <laughs> uh it's my label um but it's actually where uh i'm ending hot mom usa and i'm tra- changing it to a new name which is less offensive okay um, <laughs> hot dad uh, yeah uh, uh, cold dad cold dad canada <laughs> which is that's sort of like what my uh day-to-day has been with hang- hanging out with uh with paul <laughs> um Cold, cold Dad Canada. Um, so yeah, that's that's my label. Um, I, I own it. Like I do, like all the A and R, whatever, like A and R, um, and and sort of run it. And that's really fun. It's sort of like another level of like DJing in that, like I'm like you know, like taking artists I think are dope, taking songs I think are dope, and trying to like share them with people and, and support them. Um, so I've been doing that for five years. Um, the last re- release, uh, I haven't like quite officially announced it. Um, but the last, re- I'm, I'm in the process of like the slow social media reveal of mm-hmm. the new stuff. Um, so the last release was our 50th release. That was me and this rapper named Magugu, uh, from the UK. Um, and then the new label is, uh, Alma Mata Records. Um, and I, I feel very much more comfortable with that label name than Alma <laughs> Mata USA. Yeah. Fair enough. And so... Do you guys have you or do you have any um, plans to maybe press up some of the releases on vinyl and stuff? Uh, maybe not for the DJ world, but just with vinyl resurgence and people wanting to listen on wax. We we did one record um, uh, for an artist named Mr. Mitch uh, from the UK um, called On the Blob. Um, and at that time, I wasn't really running the label like a business. I was running it like anything dope I will say yes to and yeah. like whatever it takes. So like the record we did, um, it was like color vinyl. It was like color stickers on both sides. It was a color sleeve on both sides and like, uh, definitely like lost money uh, <laughs> it's on, like, yeah. on it. And so I, I, from that I've sort of like s- s- shied away from, from vinyl, but I think like now I would do it just like more <laughs> affordably. Yeah. Yeah. Not go over the top, not like put out my beautiful, dark twisted yeah, fantasy exactly. packaging which yeah. is the craziest packaging that i always complain about because it's a trifold and trying to get those records out is a real pain in the ass yeah yeah so we're trying to make it easy to get the records out if we do it <laughs> so i mean there are no plans currently um i mean i'm more focused currently on the like how to you know like streaming side of things just mm-hmm, uh, of practically um but it it's something i'm, I'm open to and it, it and it would have to come from the artist more than me like uh, the artist, it'd have to be an artist who was motivated to have vinyl, who it seemed like that artist in particular would like have a market for people buying their records. That's how it was the, when we did the other record is that it was like the artist was like, I want to do this. And I like, I wanted to do whatever would make that as good as possible. For I the think, artist. I think if you're a touring artist and you're doing a lot of shows, I think it's a cool thing to have at the shows to sell and people can leave with something that they actually sure. physically hold in their hands. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just like with any like, you know, thinking about it more like a business, like uh, it's cool for an artist touring 
like me as a label, uh, how do I make my money back? Um, and that's, that's, I didn't used to think about it. And, uh, now I think about a little bit more like a business. Cool. So some of the artists that you're working with, is it mostly, um, hooking up through social media? Is that the, the, the biggest driver for, for meeting new artists or working with them? So social media. And then a lot of it comes more and more is coming via just like community, um, via, artists that I'm linked with who I think are dope like they'll have they'll they'll be like vocalists around around there some of it is coming now via uh, my management uh, a little bit where I'll do like my my most enjoyable thing that I do right now is working in a studio session with a really dope vocalist like Mm -hmm. that's the that's what gets me the most excited is like writing a song with like being a hip-hop fan who's a nerd and like sounds like I sound um uh there's nothing more exciting for me than like working with someone who like sounds dope. And like, if I, if I have a good, like rap bar, like mm-hmm. it can come out sounding dope. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah, some will come via, uh, sort of like my manager and his connections. And then a lot would come sort of like organically being via either the internet or like sort of just like community of, uh, artists that I'm around in New York. Dope. Dope. Speaking of management, do you have a big management team? Do you have an agent? Like how does all that stuff work? Uh, I have a, a, a manager. Uh, shout out to Johnny. Um, it's small. It's a small team with Johnny. Uh, shout out to Vanessa, who's the right hand woman uh, over at uh, Mood Swing Management. Um, and then on the booking side of things, um, I just started working uh, over the last year with a Rogue Agency, um, which is the reason why I'm here in uh, in Toronto. Sick. Yeah. Awesome, man. So. Um... Before we wrap this up, is there anything else you want to plug? What are you working on for the next bit? I mean, we've talked about the upcoming label and stuff like that. You're yeah. touring right now. Yeah, we're on uh, on tour right now with John First. Um, we're, we're hitting spots in Canada and the U.S. It's called the Level Up Tour. Uh, Alma Mater Records. Um, I'm really excited about what's happening there. Um, and and just for me, it's like part of, like every... like. My what I love about this kind of uh, lifestyle, like that, that I'm very happy to be able to do, is just like every day I wake up and I just try to get better at the things I want to get better at, and so it's just like con- continuing that journey, trying to get, trying to like what we were talking about, trying to work more on making my own sound, trying to get better at writing songs, trying to get better at taking those songs and performing them in a DJ context or a live context that makes sense, and so just it's going to be same kind of thing, continuation, growth. I'm a Put out stuff. There are gonna be songs. Hopefully, be be good songs. I'll put out some videos. Hopefully, there'll be good videos. And either way, it's just gonna hopefully just like keep going. Definitely, it's evident the hard work and passion you put in because if you you know follow the shifty timeline and see the evolution and and all the different things you've done, you've really kind of went for it from the heart. It seems. Thanks. Yeah, I just that's. I mean, my whole thing is just work. Like I'm a brute force kind of guy. Like I, mm-hmm. like I just I put in the hours. I believe in putting in the hours, and and I yeah. If if I put in the hours, I think things will work out. Um, and so far, so good. I think. Yeah, it's insane, man. Uh, it's I'm excited to see where uh, the journey takes you, man. Thanks, thanks so much for coming out and being with us today, man. This was super dope. Yeah, thank thank you for having me. Yeah, it was an absolute pleasure, and um, hope to have you back because I think we we got a lot to talk about, and we want to get an update on the mm-hmm. new come back come back in the summer, man. Yeah, it's right. Too, well, I guess New York's cold too, but yeah. Uh, I, no, yeah. I mean, right now it's like super cold. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Man's not hot. We made man's, that joke. Man's not hot. Man, time. Yeah, never hot. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Shifty. Thanks so much for taking the time, and thanks for listening, guys.
Peace. Uh, much love, y'all. Thank <laughs> you.